It's time for episode 138 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 25th, 2016, and brought to you by IT Pro TV. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where time flies when you're having a podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and across the internet from me, my co-host, Mr. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. How are you doing this lovely Wednesday? It's good. Good to be back on Clockwise. And we've got two lovely guests with us, as always, which is also nice. We would be It would be really lonely if it was just you and me, right? We'd have to do extra topics, and it would, it would take 15 minutes, and I don't even know how that would work. We'd have to don't talk think a lot it. more. It would be... Horrible, horrible. Yeah. So to my left, uh, host of many podcasts on Relay FM, uh, giant space cat developer, you know her, you love her, you can't live without her, it's Brianna Wu. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Having a relaxing day, not watching any clocks today. It's been really good. 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 Just take your time. I recommend it. And to my left, one of our fearless overlords and a co-host of many podcasts, including Connected and Liftoff here on Relay FM, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Welcome back, Stephen. Hello, fellow clock watchers. <laughs> and Bree. <laughs> and, and me. I don't watch clocks. Not no. doing it. Yep. No, well, even shifting. a watch clock is right twice a day, as I hear. Oh, Dan, a watch clock never <laughs> boils, okay? <laughs> oh, thank God for that. Unless you're Salvador Dali, I guess. Mm, that's true. Smart, smart point. All right. So this is Clockwise, where we talk about four tech topics in less than half an hour. I will uh, get us started this week with my topic. Uh, rumor uh, reported yesterday by uh, a couple of interesting sources, including the information, is that uh, Siri is going to be getting an API and tying in. So app developers will be able to have their apps controlled by Siri, which is intriguing. And I just wanted to keep it uh, on the simpler side and not without getting into a lot of the details of how Apple is doing with Siri and all that. I'm really wondering, what, what do you want your apps to talk to? What, what apps do you want to speak to using Siri? Do you have any favorites? Bree? Well, I think uh, you, we all tend to use uh, you know, programs on your iPhone like Slack, right? So I would love to be in my office and be able to say, hey, tell Jason Snell I'm on my way to Clockwise, you know, things like that. I would like to see like, really deep integration with that core set of apps that most of us use. Yeah, I think that's the big part of it is stuff that does duplicates functionality of first party apps. So, for example, I've started using this sort of gamified to do list called Habitica, and I enjoy that, but I can't interact with it via Siri. So when I'm adding stuff to my shopping list or what have you, I'm still using reminders because it's just built in there. So I think there's a lot of, you know, options to use sort of built in apps. You know, if you're a Fantastical user instead of Calendar, for example, or if you use some other version of, of email, some other email client on iOS, I think the ability to use those as you would use the built in apps actually makes it a lot easier to, or and a lot more compelling f- for you to switch to other apps. So, you know, for example, I, you know, similar to Bree's example, if I was using Tweetbot, you know, and I want to post a tweet from Tweetbot or, or get some information from Tweetbot. It'd be great to have access to that. Um, you know, being able to use Siri with like mm, Google Maps, maybe uh, that might be really handy. So I think the ability to switch over to uh, third-party apps that provide the same sort of functionality that Apple's first-party apps do, I'm I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, for me, uh, the one that comes to mind is Day One, which I use a lot. Uh, I've got th- three young kids, and you know, very often we'll take a picture of them doing something and want to save that 
but I always forget, and it's always like days later. And so it'd be really nice to tell Siri, hey, take that latest picture that I took and uh, add it to my journal. Well, that's that's a good one. Those are all good. I I, I think Slack is a really good example. I want I want uh, some control over messaging apps that are not the messaging apps that I I, uh, I currently have control over, which is like messages. Uh, I want some you know some other stuff too, like uh, uh, Weather Underground would be great because I have a weather station in my backyard and it's the real temperature and you know Apple's weather does not tell me accurate things. So I would like I would like to have that. I'm just excited in general. You know the the idea that. Uh, the the apps i use every day could uh could could be controlled by siri and could to could not just be controlled but to find data that they understand that siri doesn't currently understand because that's going to open up the whole world to uh to to siri in a way that right now it's just so locked down because if it's not an apple data source uh it doesn't exist to siri which yeah. is super frustrating and um dan and i have talked about the, on the amazon echo uh, because they've got this, if this, then that integration, uh, that's opened up the world. Like it's not necessarily as friendly and native as the stuff that's built into the echo, but you can trigger, uh, all sorts of stuff by, uh, going to the, going to out to the third party. And it's much more powerful because of that. So I hope it's true. I hope the rumors are true. All right. That's one topic down. Uh, Bree, what's your topic? So, you know, Overwatch came out yesterday, officially, even though it had been in beta for a while, is an utterly fantastic game by Blizzard. You should definitely play it. Um, But there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a letdown for OS X users because it's coming to PS4, Xbox, Windows. It's not coming to Mac. And this is really surprising from Blizzard because they have a really long history of supporting OS X. Uh, when Steam first unveiled, one of the um, you know, top games that uh, was on OS X was Team Fortress 2, which isn't a Blizzard game, but Overwatch is pretty much Team Fortress 2. So a lot of people are asking themselves why this game didn't make it over to OS X. And Blizzard has commented on it and has just said that Apple's graphic technology is just kind of so dated that they they're focusing on you know windows and and places where the OpenGL implementation is a little bit more predictable so um i think this this is a really it's it's kind of a canary in the coal mine for apple because you know when you have a game dev company that has a long history of bringing some of the best games ever made to your platform and they're choosing to opt out I think that is kind of a, a signal that you've made some of the wrong technology choices. So I have more thoughts on that, but I'd like to kick it over to uh, to you, Dan. What do you think about that? It's tricky. Apple and gaming have all had this fraught relationship for about as long as I can remember. Um, and, you know, any number of when I was growing up in the 90s and, you know, every time you wanted to get like a cool game, they weren't on the Mac for the most part. There were random, you know, exceptions here and there. Um, but the most of the games that came to PC did not come to the Mac, uh, and that by and large hasn't changed, despite some some you know stalwarts like like Blizzard, which I think has done a very good job historically. But the the hardware perspective thing is a big part of it. Uh, we saw the same comment. I think was it the it was the Oculus CEO who said a few mm-hmm. months ago, like I'll bring it. Oh yeah, we'll bring Oculus to the Mac as soon as they make a computer that doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> you know, which is a little flippant, but yeah, he was talking about the graphics and the horsepower needed to drive that kind of stuff. And and Apple has never made that a primary concern. Uh, they've dabbled every once in a while. And, oh yeah, we're getting serious about games on the Mac now. And it's never really worked. Uh, part of that is they just also don't release computers so frequently that they 
you know, can kind of keep up to date with the graphics technology as it improves. And they're obviously much more invested on, on the iOS side, uh, but we're not yet at a point where there's certainly parity for what you can do on iOS and, and PCs and Mac. So I guess, you know, I'm not really surprised that even Blizzard has now sort of decided not to go the Mac gaming route. It's a little sad, but, you know, I'm sitting here using a five-year-old Mac that couldn't run any of this stuff anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I'm not I'm not a big a big game player, but... Dan, what you said about the sort of Mac and iOS split is is where my thoughts go to this. You know, Apple makes such a big deal every time they get on stage with a new iPad or a new iPhone to show off its uh, graphic capabilities. And, and with things like Metal, you know, making that more accessible to developers. And, and I can't help but think that either Apple just doesn't, just doesn't care that the Mac is not a gaming machine, at least in some people's eyes, that that they're fine to play into that history of like, well, you know, whatever, if you make your game for it, that's great. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, you know, I think that if, if people were saying this about the iPad, then Apple would maybe sit up and, and take, take more notice. And it, you know, I don't know what the answer is here. If, if Apple could catch up or if they want to, but I think it's clear that they're from a gaming perspective, their first concern or these mobile devices. Yeah, I, w- I think Apple was hoping that with uh, with Metal, what they would do is they would get, be able to take advantage of iOS development on the Mac, which shows you, I think, sort of their priorities, which is the, the, the Mac almost is, is uh, better served for them as a an extension of iOS gaming than it is as an extension of PC gaming. It is, I mean, Bree made the point right at the top, which is, you know something's going on when Blizzard won't even bring a game to the Mac, because Blizzard has been the Mac's best friend for a very Mm -hmm. long time warcraft starcraft world of warcraft they have they have hit all of their major stuff and made it available on the mac and here's overwatch and it's not there um some of it's the hardware i mean that's the oculus statement some of it's the software too i mean the story goes across the fact is i have a boot camp partition and one of the things i can do is play a whole lot of games that i can i can play just fine on my Mac hardware, but not in OS X. And uh, so, you know, some of this is, is about Apple's approach to, to software. And we can always say, you know, I hope it gets better. I hope that they uh, some of their new initiatives make this a better, uh, you know, a better scene for them. But in reality, Dan's got, the, got history on his side, which is Apple's never really embraced gaming on the Mac. And now that it's got a stronger game story on iOS, I feel like, you know, it's even less likely that they ever will, will worry about it on the Mac. So, you know. <laughs> sad i i do want to say though i think this issue goes beyond like the historic lack of games of apple you know on on os 10 i think if you're a gamer and you buy mac you know what you're signing up for <laughs> i think i think this goes beyond it like with the oculus example you're trying to draw 60 frames a second twice you know one for each eyeball so that's a this is you know a game that's gorgeous and has a lot of animation but there's nothing in it that's really really pushing the hardware right. that hard and i I think that this is the point where you can look at the graphics specs of the, the, the machines Apple's choosing to release and, you know, they just can't run anything graphically powerful and they haven't for quite a while. Apple is way behind there. OpenGL implementation is way, way behind at this point. And, you know, coming back to the iOS example, you are correct that Apple is doing okay with 2D games on their platform but with 3d games metal is not being used by a lot of games and they're just stuck in the past so 
I, I'm telling you that as we're moving forward, especially in the VR realm, this is a huge, huge problem with Apple because they're hitting the point where they're just not going to be able to compete with the direction the entire industry is going. Yeah the, yeah, the other downside is also because of that, it's a smaller market, so it's probably not worth Blizzard's time necessarily to develop the same, you know, spend the same time developing it for the Mac that they would for Windows. Um, you know, I, I because gamers don't buy, tend not to buy Macs as much. So it's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? Like, how do you how do you solve that? How do you get more sales and encourage it to make better hardware? Apple would have to put up and just say we're going to do this and and uh, hope that hope that there would be a result there. The Mac yeah. Pro doesn't help this either, right? It used to be you could at least buy a Mac Pro and put a better card in it, and you can't do that yeah. anymore either. And that's a way too expensive machine to buy. It's true, it's gaming. true, but it didn't used to be, right? Yeah. It's we basically yeah. the the place that you could that a gamer could get a Mac and do something with it to make it uh, a better gaming system. Those days are are over at this point, and so then you're even more reliant on Apple and the hardware that Apple packs in there. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's two topics down. We've got two more to go. Let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This week, Clockwise, uh, sponsored by IT Pro TV. If you have a career plan that you want to set in motion, uh, whether you're already in the IT field or you want to start a career, uh, one of the big things that happens in terms of getting a job or a promotion is having the right certifications and credentials. And you can learn all the stuff you need to learn with IT Pro TV's engaging up-to-date high-quality video content they give you access to the most important tools you need to get your technology certification they've got more than a thousand hours of content they're adding 50 hours every week all the courses are streamed live and then made available on demand so you can choose to watch like it's a live tv show or just play back what you're interested in and they go to all sorts of devices chromecast roku pcs macs ios android uh, and they're now also on the amazon fire tv and the fourth generation apple tv and it pro tv now the first IT video provider with courses for sale through Amazon Video Direct. Subscriptions are still the best value, but it's kind of cool to see IT Pro TV's content available. You can just buy it like a book or something else. You can buy a video right on Amazon. They've got topics like Apple Certified Support Professionals, Amazon Web Services, Google Groups for Business, uh, and a whole lot more. And uh, new courses coming in June. CCNA Security, VCP6 from VMware and Adam Gordon comes back for CEH V9. All courses are transcribed, which means you can jump to the part you want to look for if you're trying to learn a very specific thing. Or, you know, you can watch from start to finish like we did back in the 20th century. IT Pro TV also includes 100 step-by-step virtual machine labs. There's so much here for one low monthly subscription price. And, of course, a no-hassle cancellation policy if you decide it isn't for you. If you're a working IT pro, this is a great ongoing resource to let you keep your skills current. And if you are part of a corporation or a group, they've got special pricing for you. There are lots of large institutions that are IT pro TV clients. So check it out today, itpro.tv slash clockwise. You'll boost your brain. You'll get a seven-day free trial. And... If you use the code CLOCKWISE30, you will get 30% off the lifetime of your account. That brings the price down to less than $40 a month or $3.99 for the entire year. Totally worth it if you want to stay up to date and engage your IT career. That's itpro.tv slash CLOCKWISE, and the code is CLOCKWISE30. Thanks, IT Pro TV for sponsoring CLOCKWISE. All right, two topics down, two more to go. Dan Moran, why don't you kick off the second half? So to kind of build on the Siri API discussion we had earlier, you know, obviously our our friend Marco Armit wrote a post this week that got a lot of traction about <laughs> uh, whether Apple is risking becoming, you know, following him in BlackBerry's footsteps by missing the wave of AI intelligent assistance, whatever you want to call them. 
And so I guess my, my question for you is not so much whether Apple can survive that or not, since I think we're all pretty confident that, that, that they will, but whether or not they are likely to, to sort of risk missing out on that wave by just, you know, going in a different direction or not really throwing the resources into it that they should. Stephen, what do you think? Um, Apple is totally doomed. <laughs> um, Breaking the... news. You heard it here first. <laughs> This sort of thing is such a such a philosophical problem for Apple. They have built um, iCloud and the phones themselves with encryption in a way that they can't get into them. And so far, all of these other products depend on the company having information about you that Apple has firewalled off from their you know their knowledge set on an individual user. And so that's you know people are saying, well, wait to WWDC, Apple's going to like come out with something. And there is this idea that Apple let's say, market mature, and then they come in uh, once everyone's kind of roughed out the edges. But this is such a philosophical break between Apple and, and a company like Google or even Amazon. I don't see them being able to catch up in this in this regard. Now, that might not be a big deal if this proves not to be important. If bots just are the flavor of the week and they go away, then this is fine. But if this does become something and Apple needs to catch up, it's going to require a big philosophical like almost religious change within the company to to make something like this work i think yeah it comes back to uh culture ben thompson talked about this in stratechery this week a couple of times so that i uh i was impressed with his his take on it and you know his take on it is that apple has built on its success with hardware and uh and built a whole corporate culture about that it goes back to what steve jobs thought apple was doing wrong quite rightly when he returned to apple it continues to this day with things like apple university which are instilling this culture on everybody who works there the problem with it is it's this integrated culture that does not generate the best in terms of a lot of online services stuff because they're a very product focused company so i think apple does risk this i think it's going to be a real challenge for apple i think that they're aware of it The, the people there are not dumb I think the challenge is, are they, you know, they have to decide, are they willing to make some changes to their culture to uh, maybe create a services organization and put it out on the side and let it do what it thinks is smart, uh, separate from the, their integrated organization? Or do they think they can, uh, you know, they can approach this in some other ways? But it's a challenge because this is, I mean, fundamentally, this is some, much more part of like Google's identity than it is Apple's identity. And uh, your corporate identities can be great strengths, but they can also be weaknesses. And Apple has so many great strengths that come from its identity. Um, but then, you know, this is this is the downside of that. So, you know, I think I think it's risky. I think they'll probably buy some companies that are involved with this, but the track record there, I mean, a lot of times what you see is they buy the companies, people bring in the tech, and then they all leave to go start another company. And, you know, Apple ends up with a, a you know, a product that they have to find new people to fix like uh, Siri. So I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I, it's going to be a real challenge for them. I, I guess I want to know the point where Marco learns to not say anything that anyone could possibly use against him and change his <laughs> argument to make him look bad. I feel so sorry for 
him because it he just, learns, but then he forgets. It, no, it, it just it's a double <laughs> standard he's held to, and you know I like and respect Marco, and I just I I hate seeing this happen to him over and over again. As far as Siri itself, I strongly agreed with his argument, and you know here in Boston we are a town with you know um, you know nuance started here, and you know with uh, MIT being here, I talked to a lot of uh, NLP startups because it's an area that GSX is looking into. And Siri feels increasingly dated, especially with competition from the Echo. And like, you know, we're talking about this being a tentpole feature in OS X now? Now? Like, this should have been a feature in OS X a long time ago. So Apple has so far to go on this problem. And I just don't know if they can catch up with it. So, you know, obviously Apple is not doomed, but I do think it's really notable that this direction that, you know, the rest of the industry is going in, you know, they were kind of one of the first really to market in a really big way with their phone and just hasn't gotten to a good point. Um, I'd love to know what you all think, but like when I try to use Siri with my new Apple TV, it is extremely hit and miss. So I just, you know, I want to see them double, triple, quadruple down on this problem because it's just not cutting it. Yeah, I I totally agree that they, it feels like it was left to languish. And the fact that so many of the Siri creators went off to do something else in the same exact area, but not at Apple is kind of disheartening, right? I mean, even if they have been acquiring other talent, it looks like they, they certainly have been. It feels like maybe they're not putting the emphasis on it, and and maybe they just, I don't know if it's they didn't see the, the writing on the wall, or if they just still don't believe that it's something that's going to catch on, but for whatever reason, it does feel like they've kind of thrown up their hands at it and sort of just let it sit there. So I'm I'm excited to be proven wrong, if that's the case, <laughs> but I'm also not super optimistic about it. So thanks for your thoughts on that, and our last topic comes from Steven. So there's uh, a rumor this week about the long-awaited MacBook Pro update that would assumably bring uh, Skylake to the Apple's professional notebook, then are more powerful, uh, you know, assumedly maybe in colors for the first time. But this new rumor has something really interesting, that the company is considering adding an OLED touch bar above the keyboard, like soft keys, that you could would replace your standard function keys, things like volume and brightness. And uh, that seems sort of weird to me. I think there's a lot of upsides and maybe a lot of possible downsides as well. Um, Jason, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I like, <laughs> so so positive things. Um, programmable is good, just like it is on, a, on having a touchscreen phone instead of a phone with a physical keyboard because it can change and you can have different things and can be contextual and can be driven by software. And that's all great. Uh, cons, I use my keyboard by feel. And so if there's just a strip there with no, you know, nothing to feel other than that it's a touchscreen strip, I mean, the problem, first off, if I touch it and don't know what I'm touching, I've just done something, which is bad because you can't operate it by feel at all. So, so then you end up having to do things like look down at the keyboard. 
I don't look down at the keyboard. I know where the keys are. So I'm I'm skeptical of this. It would have to be done really well. I almost want it to be something where this, the, 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 the bar has like little dividers. So you actually could like uh, operate it on feel a little bit. That said, I used to have a keyboard that had a swipe for volume that I thought was really clever that um, I could see having, once you take key physical keys out of the equation, it lets you do things like swipe up and down on a corner of a, a touch bar to make the uh, screen brighter or dimmer or make the sound louder or quieter, and I think that would be very clever. So it's all in the details, but um, I got to say I'm I'm not entirely convinced because it feels like, I mean, at this point maybe they should just replace the keyboard with an iPad screen down there, and just we'll just not Whoa. have any keys at all. <laughs> I don't recommend it. What right? Uh. But this is the thing: uh, keyboards you need, you need to be able to feel the keys on a keyboard, and this doesn't do that. So that's my problem with it. I think if you if you think about function keys and where they came from, you know, this is very much a legacy of the DOS era, where you would you know hit these keys to go to entirely different parts of the program. So I think it's it's an obvious target for kind of you know doing the Apple thing where we really look at a base assumption and ask ourselves if we really need it. Um, so I'm down with that. At the same time, you know, this is a feature that Razer has brought to the really high-end laptops before. And, you know, I've looked very seriously at buying a Razer to the point of borrowing a friend's for a few days. So the, the problem that you have with this idea when it's implemented poorly is core system functions it's fine with. But when you get to third-party apps and nothing is, like, programmed for it, then it becomes very, very uh, unpredictable what it's going to accomplish. So, Jason, I'm all in with what you're talking about with, you know, it being on feel. And I think the other part of the room we're bringing Touch ID to OS X, that's a feature we needed a long, long, long time ago. But as far as it working overall with OS X and the apps you use every day, I'm really skeptical that with, you know, kind of the the lack of emphasis on Mac right now, that they would really be able to push, um, you know, third-party apps to universally support this to the point where, you know, these keys would have functions well, to your point about third-party apps, if Siri's any indication, they'll have an API five or six years down the road, it'll be fine. Uh, uh, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I also have used something kind of like this on my girlfriend's Lenovo work computer, which had this sort of touch-sensitive strip where the function keys are. And my understanding is the new version of that, they threw it out and put keys back in. And that's great because it, it really doesn't work very well. Now, that's not to say Apple's implementation couldn't be better. I think Jason made some good points about what it could be used for. I am super concerned about the lack of the sort of tactile nature of it because, like Jason said, I'm looking at the screen, not at the keys. Uh, I will say uh, my friend Lex Friedman, who who could not join us today... Uh, <laughs> suggested one the only usage i thought it was actually a good one which is uh what if it just displayed your most recent emoji or like your favorite emoji because like you gotta look at it anyways to see which emoji you want to use right so there there you go makes perfect sense it's a dedicated emoji bar um so yeah i i think that it's not the it seems like a gimmick short answer i i feel like it's unnecessary and maybe it'll be super clever but i i'm not holding my breath on that one yeah i think the only immediate upside that that came to mind for me was you know apple has kind of messed with the function keys over time so for a while they ship with a dashboard key now dashboard is like off by default which makes me sad and there's a launchpad key which you know is now on f4 and, and these things change over time and something like this you know apple could release you know say when if siri comes out this magic keyboard in front of me which is like five months old or something 
is going to be you know potentially outdated because there won't be a Siri button on it. Yes, they'll figure it out. It'll be on F5 or something, and the label will just be missing. Well, with something like this, Apple could say, you know what, we have a new OS feature, we have a new hardware feature, and when you update your Mac, uh, you know, your label and your function key is correct. And I could see see Apple liking that sort of thing, but I, I agree with, with all three of you that there are maybe some usability trade-offs there that, um, you know, may may be difficult to, to overcome. But it's definitely interesting because Apple's never done anything like this. And so I think from just a... a purely conversational perspective it's super interesting i think that one uh, ipod uh generation where they went to the touch screen buttons and then thought better of it yep. rapidly is the closest oh. analog i can find that's not a good sign maybe it'll be better than that <laughs> those are silk screen dots totally different all right well uh that's four topics down we've got just enough time for our bonus topic uh coming up here in the u.s anyway it's memorial day long weekend i know in uh, other parts of the uh, the world like uh, in the uk it's a bank holiday uh so i just want to ask all of you do you have any memorial day weekend traditions or failing that what are you going to do on uh, on the long weekend brie so we're having at our house the woo summer of fun meeting <laughs> new adventures every single weekend so we got an airbnb up in new hampshire this weekend uh next to fun spot which is the world's largest arcade so frank and i are going to go up there and just destroy children at video games all weekend it's going to be glorious <laughs> uh that's pretty great i'm actually going away i'm going to be in baltimore for balticon which is a sci-fi convention um i have gone in the past but sort of irregularly i don't really have usual memorial day stuff so that should be fun for me we you know there's a big family get together usually i think i'll be working at some point because that's what you do when mm-hmm. you're in a small business um, high five you know having a hot dog and recording a podcast pretty pretty average weekend that's traditional as is traditional <laughs> have a hot dog the hot dog cast it's coming for me uh going to visit some family out in uh out in the, the central valley uh for the weekend and i pre-recorded a bunch of podcasts to release while i'm gone so that was my trick Stephen. is i pre-recorded some podcasts but uh you know, usually they, and they have a parade in my town. So if I wasn't going away, we would go to the parade and it's adorable because it's a little small town parade and it feels like a little uh, piece of uh, American Americana. So, all right. Uh, that's it. The, the, that's the end of clockwise. We did it. Four topics in 30 minutes. Yay. Uh, yay. Brianna Wu. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. And Stephen Hackett. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, Dan. Have a good uh, have a good convention. How about that? Have a good Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, you too. Uh, enjoy the long weekend. Have a hot dog and and a podcast. And we'll be back next week, of course, with another edition of Clockwise. But until then, we remind you: watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.